baseball fans. It's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. I'm Grant McCauley, and on this episode of the show, we're going to talk about some Atlanta Braves prospects. My guest David Lee is going to check in. He writes for BravesProspects.com. It's a brand new website he started this year, a fun venture, and I want to give him the opportunity to talk about some Braves prospects because I think it's something we could all enjoy right now, and it's exactly what we're going to do on this episode of the show. As always, you can find From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave those ratings and reviews. They're always welcome and very much appreciated. And if you like the podcast, be sure to share it with a friend as well. You can also connect with the show on Twitter, at From the Diamond underscore is where you can find it. I'm on Twitter as well, at Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y. And on Instagram, at From the Diamond with no underscore. And I'm at Grant McCauley on Instagram as well. And everything, including every episode of the show and all the articles and so much more, is at FromTheDiamond.com. With all that out of the way, time to talk about some Atlanta Braves prospects. And to help me do that, David Lee of BravesProspects.com is going to jump on the show. We're going to talk about some of the top-ranked guys, of course, some sleepers, and we're going to answer some of your questions from Twitter that I asked for as well. And all of that is coming your way right now. David, I appreciate you making some time and looking forward to talking about some Braves prospects with you. It's been quite a while since we've had a chance to do that. And given that we don't have a whole lot of baseball going on right now, I'm kind of enjoying an opportunity to jump down and see what exactly is on the farm for the Braves. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me on. It's always good to be able to talk about baseball at this point in time. So definitely appreciate it. Absolutely. I know over the years we've had an opportunity to talk about Braves prospects, check out some of these guys in person as well, and I know that's something that you've been very committed to over the last few years, and I'm interested to pick your brain on where exactly the Braves farm system is now, because for so many years we were hearing about, this is the next big thing, this is going to be the guy. In particular, of course, Ronald Acuna Jr. was the guy that we talked about quite a bit, and he exploded onto the scene a couple of years ago and has become a superstar in all of baseball. But some of the other guys, including Ozzy Albies, I mean, Mike fulton Sean Newcomb, I mean, these were all at one time guys that were making up the top end of that Braves top 25 prospects. But now we're looking at, I think, a very different crop, but one that I think is still pretty pitching heavy. Would that be correct in assessing it that way? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely correct. The system is in a bit of a unique situation where it's kind of split in half. It seems to be pretty top-heavy toward the top of the system, Triple um, A and AA. And pretty much all of that, except for uh, Pache and Drew Waters, right. uh, pretty much all of it is arm-heavy. And then you go toward the bottom half of the system, and the depth becomes an issue, uh, especially with arms. And I think that's kind of a combination of not having uh, you know, any sort of spending capacity on the international side. And also, you know, the drafts past couple of years maybe not hitting on <laughs> quite as much as they had uh, previously. So, yeah, it's definitely top-heavy right now, and I think pretty much at this point, once that top couple levels graduates, 
um, there needs to be a real effort, and it's probably already begun, really, for the scouting department to really try to infuse the system again um, with a little bit more depth than they currently have in the lower levels. Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting balance to strike as well, because keeping in mind, when the Braves built this top farm system in all of baseball, a lot of that was the result of some very astute trades and moves that were made that strengthened the system as well, in addition to some very good drafts that produced the likes of, say, Mike Soroka, and of course the international component that brought in the Acunas, the Albies, guys like that. Obviously, it's a good mix of all of those things. The Braves internationally have kind of had their hands tied for a while, that's going to normalize itself once the Braves are able to spend internationally again. But the draft is going to be a little bit fascinating going forward. And before we jump into the Braves prospects and how everything looks, I'm thinking that the draft, given what it's going to look like in 2020, may be a little bit more difficult to navigate for the Braves among other teams in terms of trying to find a way to really hit a home run with your draft class. Yeah, it's, I've mentioned this before. You know, in this situation, this day and age, you know, you know, there's so many more important things, but it's such a tough situation that the Braves are in with the, you know, having just a five-round draft. More than ever, just as I've just said, that the Braves really need to infuse the lower levels of their system with more depth and more talent. And to have the timing of this like it is to where you only have a five-round draft and then 20-something rounds a year after, it's just really bad timing for that. Um, and, and just, you know, where they are, what they might be able to do in the draft and it's also tough too so each pick is going to be important more than ever obviously and you know they really do need to get aggressive internationally once the spending limits are taken away but at the same time it seems pretty inevitable that the international draft is coming in the in the future as well so you can be aggressive for maybe a little bit of time but before long that you're going to have some limitations on that as well. Yeah, and I think that might be a conversation for another day when we come to international drafts and even the draft changes that are going to go on in 2020. I just was interested just to kind of lay the groundwork for what exactly the Braves and really all 30 teams are going to be up against as these things start to change the way that they plan and the way that they execute that plan when it comes to a draft class or an international signing class or all the interconnected ways of adding talent to your system. They're going to have to look at it through a different lens, perhaps. But for right now, looking at what the Braves have in their farm system, I, I know that we talked about the arms briefly there for a moment, and in particular, I think Ian Anderson has been a guy that's really excited a lot of people for quite some time. The Braves have a lot of other arms in the minor leagues, but I don't know if anybody really comes close right now to what Ian Anderson could be based on his stuff and the projectability and the fact that seeing him when he was first drafted and first signed with the Braves and seeing him now, he has certainly grown into that body. He looks like a pretty impressive pitching prospect all the way around. Yeah, huge credit to him for developing like he has. It's always such a tough go of it to you know, draft a high school right so high in the draft and pretty far from the guarantee these days. But you know, he's really developed very nicely. Huge credit to him and the player development department for getting him where he is. And uh, really grown into the body, like you said. Uh, three great pitches, all at least above average. Fastball velocity holds really well. Just He's commanding it all, too, is probably where he you know, has a leg up on most, if not all, other pitching prospects in the system because he has the command to match the three major league pitches. So I don't know if the ceiling is quite as high as you know a lot of Braves fans are hoping for, but he's definitely a major league starter, and I think he has the durability to do it for a long time. I've had him pegged for a year or two now as a, as a high mid-rotation guy, maybe a, a low two, high three, uh, that type and uh, there's a lot of value in that. It's, it doesn't sound 
you know, all that exciting, but there's a ton of value having that type of pitching prospect, and he's knocking on the door. So, you know, that's even better. Yeah, no doubt about it. And when you spend a top pick on an arm, you want them at least to become somebody who can contribute at the major league level. And whether that is long-term as a starter or he finds a place in the bullpen or he helps get you something you don't have at the big league level, you just want to make sure that this asset becomes something that you're able to utilize in some way, shape, or form and doesn't end up stalling out in the minor leagues and never making it anywhere. So as far as the extremes are concerned, I think Ian Anderson's in a pretty good spot if and when we can get back to baseball this year. I don't know what a minor league season's going to look like for him. And that is kind of an interesting thing that we can maybe tackle a little bit later. But when I do talk about Ian Anderson as a guy that has very few peers in the Braves system, I think one of those would be right-hander Kyle Wright, who was another top pick for the Braves a couple of years ago. He's out of Vanderbilt, so a college right-hander with some, I think, a little bit more polish perhaps than a lot of these high school arms that the Braves were taking for a number of years. What have you seen out of Kyle Wright over his handful of years in the Braves system? And do you think that he's close to unlocking his potential and becoming somebody that could go to the post for the Braves every fifth day. Yeah, Wright's a pretty good example that development is definitely not linear, especially with pitching. There's been quite a few twists and turns for him in a short amount of time since he was drafted. But where he is right now, uh, especially after what I saw this spring from him, Mm -hmm. it was by far the best I've seen from him since he was drafted. Um, And I think a lot of that goes toward pitch usage, where he was this spring, huge increase in slider usage and spotting it more glove side on the fastball and going up in the zone with the fastball more just being able to tunnel the fastball and slider more effectively than he has kind of you know maybe going away from the sinker change up combo a little bit the curveball as well and you know just a lot of confidence on the mound too which is something else it was really good to see this spring you know just attacking the zone making major league hitters look pretty foolish up there so you know, based on that, I'm really confident with uh, with where I had him coming into last season, despite you know the hangups in his time you know between AAA and the major leagues. All along, you know, I've kind of felt a little lonely at times at having him as the top mm-hmm. prospect in the Braves system, and you know staying as high on him as I did after this past season. But uh, I still think he has that upside as at least a high three, possibly being that you know frontline type still if he can put it all together. Yeah, and I think you put it a very interesting way, maybe the perfect way, is that development is not linear. It's not one of those things where everybody is going to go along through their minor league career the same way and clear the same hurdles and be ready to go out of the box, but opened up in the major leagues and just have a great career. We've seen that in a number of different ways with a lot of Braves pitching prospects, especially in the last five or six years. But Kyle Wright does strike me as a guy that the pedigree that he has, the type of pitcher that he was in college. And then to me, about halfway through the season last year, something really clicked for him in AAA Gwinnett. And I do think that going to that slider more perhaps was the one thing that really started to help him get the consistent results that he was looking for. And from what I saw in the spring, and it wasn't a lot because we didn't get very many games, but from what I was able to see, it seemed like he was carrying that over into 2020 and could be a viable piece at some point depending on what we need this season when we figure out exactly how many pitchers the Braves might be carrying and how exactly a major league roster is going to look as well. Talked about a couple of arms there, but a couple of outfielders that everybody's talking about, of course, Christian Pache and Drew Waters, very different types of prospects. One of them's more of a defense first, but has come on with the bat in terms of Pache. And then you look at Drew Waters, and he's a guy that was always going to be hitting first and did a lot of other things well. Both these guys reached AAA last year, I do think that they have a little bit more to prove there in terms of some consistency, but what do you think the ETA is for these guys, and do you think they're kind of in lockstep with one another, or does one of them maybe have an edge on the other, depending on 
I guess maybe what they're able to do in 2020 when they get the opportunity. Yeah, at this point, I think Pache probably has a little bit of a leg up on Waters. I think a lot of that is based on his defense, the fact that it's already, you know, obviously major league quality. You know, it's a plus-plus center field glove, and that's it's a generational defensive, you know, ability. And uh, I think that, honestly, right away gives him the leg up as being the first to get that call over Waters. But at the same time, you can't really say that unless the bat has come along you know, to be able to hold his own at the major league level. And I think he's done that really well the past couple of years. Swing has really come along really well, made some great mechanical adjustments to be able to tap into his power better, Right, having that power develop like it has. Obviously, we'll always be swinging this in his profile, and uh, hit tool might not you know, be as high as some would like, but he's uh, he seems to be able to developing nicely at the plate to be able to hold his own. And that's all you can really ask for when you when you have a move like that up the middle. You know, with Waters, you're starting to get a few questions about the hit tool based on so much swing and miss you've seen lately. Yeah, it's always been a pretty aggressive profile, and I think it's just kind of you know starting to show more now that he's in the upper levels and seeing more advanced pitching. But I felt from the beginning, and it hasn't changed that I feel like he can toe that line to have that swing and miss and to have high strikeout totals, but still be able to maintain it just based on the fact that his exit velocity numbers are through the roof, you know, pretty special. You know, when he does barrel it up, it's always impact-type contact. He has the barrel ability to do it enough to be able to toe that line with such swing and miss in the profile. So, like you said, he does everything else well. He may not stand out at any one thing, but he does everything well, and I think he'll be able to do that at the major league level too. It just might not come right away and come quite as, quickly as it will for Pache. Yeah, and again, that linear development, if you want to call it that, is something that's in play for both of these guys. I remember seeing Christian Pache a couple of years ago when he was in Rome and just watching him take batting practice, even watching him during the game, I kept thinking, man, this guy's going to wander into a couple. He's going to hit some home runs. It's going to happen at some point. But it took him a couple of years in his minor league career before he was finally hitting the ball over the fence, doing a great job of running down anything inside of the fences in every park that he's playing in. But I do think he's taken a big step forward in the last year and a half, maybe two years, in terms of his overall hit ability, if you want to call it that. And then when you look at Drew Waters, I think that the switch hitting aspect of it, of course, is something that people like a lot when you look at a prospect that's very well-rounded. And as you look at today's game, and I'd be interested to hear your opinion about this, and you may have already really answered this in some ways, but you don't really get scared off with strikeouts as much because they've become kind of an acceptable price of doing business when it comes to some of these young and up-and-coming hitters. They offer a lot more. The strikeouts just seem to kind of be the cost that comes with it. Yeah, and I think what's huge about that to be able to take on the swing and miss and those high strikeout totals is, is the power. When you do make contact, it has to be impact power consistently. And that's where I think, you know, where I mentioned the exit velocity numbers for Waters. I mean, they're, it's just through the roof. It's, you know, almost elite-type exit velocity average numbers for him, and that's always been the case for him. Mm-hmm. When I saw him with Rome the first time, he had probably the hardest-hit ball I saw all that season, maybe over the course of a couple of years. And I think it was like 111 off the bat. It was like a line drive shot that was still on the line as it, as it went over the fence. So, um he has that type of power. He might not always show it in the numbers, but you know it's consistent impact gap power, and I think it will develop more into over-the-fence power, too, as he continues to develop. 
But, you know, I feel ever since I saw him with Rome, and I still feel it now that, you know, even with the high strikeout totals, there's enough barrel ability to be able to get to it consistently enough that you can tow that line to remain productive. Yeah, and both these guys are exciting players. Both of them offer a lot, and both of them, I think, knocking on the door. But a very crowded outfield at the big league level for the Braves, at least in 2020, having Adam Duvall for one more year, bringing back Nick Marcakis for another year, Ender Enciarte still around, hopefully healthy. That's something big for the Braves. And then you've got Marcelo Zuna. Of course, Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be in there every single day, regardless of which spot in the outfield he's taking up. So it's going to be pretty tough for an outfield prospect to crack their way into that and have the opportunity to grab some everyday at-bats without maybe some injury problems for the Braves, which, of course, you hope that that's not something they'd have to deal with altogether too much. But we'll see how the season plays out. It's good to have these kind of guys on the ready. But I think 2021, if we can start to see the sense of normalcy both in baseball and in the world, we might get a little bit clearer answer about where exactly a Christian Pache or a Drew Waters fits into the Braves' plans. As we get there and when that story develops, we'll kind of get our answers. Looking also in the Braves' minor league system at some names that you started to hear a lot of and that we got to see a good bit of this spring, and that is Shea Langoliers, who was a Braves' first pick in the draft last summer. Really impressive college catcher. I like what I saw from him, getting a chance to watch him in Rome for a couple of days. He does everything behind the plate that I think you want him to do. He throws well. He's able to, I think, call a pretty good game, and that's, I think, only going to get better as he goes. What have you seen out of Shea Langoliers, and how excited should Braves fans be about the possibility that you may finally have that long-term answer behind the plate in the form of this really impressive college catcher they just drafted? Yeah, yeah. He was by far the most well besides what Bryce Ball did, you know, just the fact that he surprised as much as he did. But Langoliers was the best prospect coming out of the draft that I, I saw one of the most, you know, as far as putting himself on the map um, right out of the draft. He was very impressive. I saw in the system this past season. Just everything that was sold on him about his defense behind the plate was true. You know, it's at least plus defense behind the plate. He's got like a 65, maybe a 70 arm. Some of the pop times are pretty incredible. He's a true weapon as a defender, a catcher, and that, you know that's a weapon in and of itself and very valuable and mm-hmm. you know a major leaguer right away as far as that goes. But the thing that really stood out to me the most was how far the bat has come along in such a short amount of time, and I think that's where he's really turned himself into a, an impact prospect in the system. It's a very balanced uh, approach, a balanced swing, and it's wild contact off the barrel. He's a big dude. He's not. It's kind of that typical catcher build, but you know it's, it's big natural strength, and when he turns on one, it goes a long way. And uh, it's consistent gap power to all fields. You know, contact stroke gets to all four quadrants of the zone, and uh, he seems to have a pretty good idea of the plate. One question, I guess, would be you know how his approach uh, will handle the upper levels, how he'll handle advanced pitching when he gets there. But he um, definitely carries himself well. He's a true pro. Great makeup. Uh, for the position too, so which is what you want, and uh, you know it just seems like a total package, and it seems like the Braves definitely knew what they were doing when they got him, you know, where they did in the draft, and and uh, he very quickly turned himself to an impact catching prospect. Yeah, I was really impressed when I talked to him on draft night about the fact that he loves playing catcher. I mean, that was his choice. It wasn't one of those things where, well, he just played it for a while, he ended up there, and if he has to move to first base or the outfield or third base, that that's something that he's thinking about. Now, he enjoys being the guy that's that plugged into the game and having the opportunity to be involved pitch to pitch. And clearly you can see that that carries over to the work ethic and making himself a very well-polished and well-rounded receiver all around. And 
as you mentioned, there's going to be some offensive things that every player is going to have to answer as they go through the minor league system. But I think there's a lot of power in that bat, and I think that there's a lot of ability at the plate as well as behind the plate to make him a great and well-rounded catching prospect worth taking where the Braves did a year ago. They do add him to a system that doesn't have a lot of catching depth, but William Contreras is a guy we've been talking about for at least a couple of years, three years now, as being perhaps a guy that could be the answer behind the plate for a while. And I liked what I saw in the low level of the minor leagues, but as you kind of alluded to, as you climb through the system, the questions become a little bit different, and I guess the challenges of competing against that level's pitcher becomes a little bit more difficult as well. What do you think has been William Contreras' big hang-up over the last year or so, especially in AA Mississippi? That seemed to really uh, be a place where he stalled out. Yeah, he was definitely a surprise for me uh, this past season. I was so high on him uh, when I saw him at Rome, just for tons of athleticism for the position. You know, his swing needed some work. Um, it was long, very mechanical, but it was just so athletic. And he was able to turn on pitches. I saw, you know, present power from him, you know, even then at Rome. And uh, I was just very excited about where he was going to go from there, just based on all of that. And it seems to be what happens sometimes with any prospects. You feel a little bit of a snag when you face advanced pitching and move up, especially when you get the double A. That's such a huge jump. And uh, I do know that they worked on his defense a lot. It's a good set of tools that he has behind the plate, but he remains pretty raw back there, especially with his footwork and being able to receive a little bit more quietly. So that was, I know that was a huge focus for him and, you know, with those who, who worked with him this past season. And um, so perhaps his bat kind of lagged behind a little bit because, you know, with catching it, it's pretty tough to, to have to work so hard on, on right. multiple facets of the game uh, at once when you're developing. So, you know, catching is a pretty tricky position to try to develop. So yeah, I just, I remain high on him and I, I still have high hopes for him just based on so much athleticism that he has for the position. And, you know, I, I saw him as a potential, you know, you know, top three type catching prospect in all of baseball. And when I saw him at Rome, you know, at this point, you really just want him to be able to handle the bat a little bit better and have his defense continue to come along and kind of mold it into a little bit more polished game and uh, just see where it goes from there. But this is a, it's definitely a huge season for him. And I, I hate that he might not, get as many reps as he needed this year because this was going to be a big season for his development so whatever he can get done this year on the field hopefully he can show a little bit more promise and be able to handle the advanced pitching a little bit more the second time around yeah I think it's going to be interesting to see exactly what guys get out of this season in terms of whatever development they can get because the minor league season for those who follow baseball pretty closely you realize hey that thing's over at the end of August you have about a week's worth of playoffs or so early in September, and it pretty much it used to be, hey, did you get the September call-up or your minor league season was over, and maybe you went to Instructs, and maybe you played winter ball a little bit later, but things were done. Baseball right now, looking at, I think, ideally or optimistically, if you want to call it that, is a early July start, and with everything that's been going on on the minor league baseball side, I think we've got a lot more questions and answers right now about what guys are going to be able to do and about what kind of opportunities are going to be available with an expanded roster at the major league level this year as well. So for some guys we're talking about, maybe they crack an expanded roster. But for most of these guys, the question will be, how can they make the most of the time that they have to play baseball in the year 2020, which, at least as we sit here right now, seems kind of like a secondary question to some of the other things that are going on in our country and around the world. 
But these are the things that we're talking about when it comes to uh, the possibility of maybe having some baseball this year, which I think we'd very much like to see if it can be done right. A couple of more questions for David. And as I look at the overall system, and you brought up a name that may not have been on the radar for a lot of folks, but I think was after spring training and a couple of big-time home runs, and that would be Bryce Ball. And I guess a lot of folks kind of want to know, well, why haven't I heard of this kid before? Where exactly did he come from? And is this power legit? Is this a guy that we should get excited about? And I think the answer to all those questions in terms of can you believe in it is yes, but he's going to have to prove it, I think, going forward if he wants to get a crack at the big leagues. And, uh, David, I'm interested to get your insight on Bryce Ball, what you've seen, and maybe what you expect out of him going forward. Yeah, he's a fun one. Um, You know, in this day and age with baseball, you know, you have teams and organizations have so much of the same types of data and um, the same types of uh, scouting perspectives now. And you don't really have that classic, find a player late, you know, just out of nowhere develops like this. You don't really see that as much anymore. And, you know, Ball is one of those kind of classic scouting finds. I know that, you know, it might have been some bonus demand type situations going on there, but the Braves did a tremendous job to be able to find him and, you know, get him on in the organization. And it just showed right away the type of find they had. Saw him for the first time right after the draft with Rome and after a couple of rounds of batting practice, you know, he obviously stands out in the field. He's a massive kid. Yeah. You know, the power matched it. Automatically saw plus-plus raw power there in batting practice. And I've said before, it's probably unmatched in the brain system already. Maybe Alex Jackson is really the only other one that I can think of that has the same type of raw power where it's over the batter's eye type raw power. And what's exciting about it is that he shows it in games. He's able to get to it pretty consistently in games already. Despite being a first base only profile, maybe DH profile, he does have a feel to hit. You know, it's not a slow groove swing that you typically see from these huge first basemen in the minor leagues. He's able to really cover the zone really well. It's a quick enough bat. Uh, there will be concerns, you know, questions he'll have to answer about being able to get to inside velocity and advanced pitching as he moves up. But he's already showing a pretty good ability to track the ball well and it's just a great overall offensive profile and uh, that really has me excited about you know what he can do and he showed it in glimpses in spring training already getting that aggressive non-roster invite and uh you know seeing advanced pitching already and uh, it was kind of up and down for him but you know as i said there were some really good signs from him early that you know he'll definitely be able to handle himself at the plate let me ask you real quick before we do some questions I got from Twitter. Is there a Braves prospect that you look at that we haven't discussed already that you think maybe people aren't aware of, might be a bit of a sleeper, or somebody you just have had your eye on that has just kind of jumped out as someone exciting that people should take notice of? He's getting a little bit more attention now than he has in the past, especially after you know he got a number of roster invite this spring and really showed himself well. But I would say Tucker Davidson probably mm-hmm. needs to be talked about a little bit more now really, really long way from when they first drafted him. He's quickly developing into a starter. You know, he's showing starter traits now. Um, that definitely wasn't always the case, even just a couple of years ago. He was seen as pretty much a lock as a reliever, and still might be the case for him because of command issues that he still needs to address. But his velocity has really come a long way. Now to where he's aggressively, you know, mid-90s up in the zone. He tunnels it so well with that huge breaking ball. The changeup needs to continue to come along as is the command as well. But as I said, he's come a long way, driveline guy, and may have turned himself into a starter 
for the Braves as a you know starter option, perhaps as soon as this year. So he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Tucker Davidson certainly has opened a lot of eyes, turned a lot of heads, if you will, and also missed a lot of bats over the last year or so. It'll be interesting to see where he fits into the Braves' plan both in 2020 and over the next few years because he is a guy that could be a breakout pitching prospect that when we talked about so many pitching prospects over the years – kind of came out of nowhere to really establish himself. So a great story and a very talented young pitcher for the Braves and one of many in the minor league system and some in the major league roster already, the likes of Mike Soroka, Max Freed, and those types. So it'll be interesting to see where Davidson slots in. I did ask on Twitter, David, for some questions about Braves prospects. I think we kind of answered this one from Ringer of Brain, which I think is a great Twitter handle, a great play on words. But with the talk of the expanded rosters, upwards of 45 or 50 men, no minor league season this year, how could that affect the development of various Braves prospects? I think everyone falls under that umbrella. I mean, for me, I think the question just becomes, what exactly can they have in an organized fashion in lieu of a minor league season, do all these guys go down to Florida and work out in an extended spring training type deal? Or are they going to kind of be on their own for a while? I think the answer might be somewhere in between. What do you think? Yeah, honestly, I'm kind of on the same boat as everyone else, just kind of waiting and seeing so many different variables in place through all of this. But I'm curious to see with what seems to be likely is expanded roster for the major league level but with a taxi squad of perhaps like 20 or so after that. So basically utilizing your 40-man roster as an yeah. active roster, but, you know, just kind of splitting it up a little bit and having a taxi squad. So, you know, these prospects that are in the upper levels already, they'll obviously be a part of that taxi squad. And uh, you wonder, you know, what they'll be able to do as far as their developmental side goes, you know, to be able to get, you know, consistent workouts and get on the field enough to, you know, make it not be a completely lost season for them. You know, they'll get the occasional playing time, but, you know, these guys, you know, just what type of playing time they'll really have and what they'll be able to do to avoid just having it being a lost season developmentally is, yeah. is the question I'm, I'm really wondering about. With the lower-level guys, it's a little bit more more difficult uh, to envision them avoiding a lost season, really. Um, you can have, you know, expanded Arizona Fall League, uh, expanded instructs. I think all that's on the table and has been talked about. Yeah. Obviously, it's, it all depends on those variables I thought about. But you know, I, that's probably at this point really all you can ask for for the lower level guys. It's kind of hard to ask of uh, what you want to see from the major league side with you know consistent testing and and all of that. You know, it's kind of hard to envision the same thing happening for lower level guys on the you know, on the backfields of a spring training complex, but. You know, I guess probably best case for them would be, you know, just expanded winter leagues and fall leagues and stuff like that. Yeah, you may have to be a self-starter in a lot of ways to get the development in that you want, but obviously you're limited on the things that you can do. So it'll be interesting to see how baseball handles it, how individual guys handle it as well, as they'll have time to work out. But there's, as you and I both know, and anybody that's followed any sport for any amount of time knows, you can practice all you want. You can even play some exhibitions all you want, but there's nothing quite like being under the bright lights and playing it for real and getting that experience in. And that's obviously a key part of minor league development. So we'll see exactly how that's handled moving forward. I got one more question for you. This one from Luis Frontera. Could Ian Anderson or Kyle Wright come up and have a 1991 Steve Avery-like effect on a postseason run, starting and winning big games, obviously, would be the question. Are they ready? We talked a little bit about both of them. I think, I mean, from you know my experience as a fan watching Steve Avery as a kid, that was some pretty magical stuff that he was doing against the Pirates back in 1991. 
might be a tall order, and I'm not sure that anybody's quite ready from the farm side of things to step into that particular spotlight quite yet, but I feel pretty darn good about a Mike Soroka doing something like that. What about you? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a, a, a tall ask to ask for a few daily <laughs> but, right. but, yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, someone like a Soroka or a Max Free being able to handle something like that, you know, they have the impact ability to be able to do something like that, and I would, I would not be surprised if, if there was a dominant run out of, out of one of the arms currently on the roster like that. As far as uh, those two go, right, and Anderson being able to make an impact down the stretch, at this point, I would probably, if I had to guess one or the other, I would probably right now say Kyle Wright. Yeah. Just because he has, you know, a little bit more upper-level experience. Uh, he's proven, you know, in spring training, he's proven, you know, he can you know, blow away major league hitters right now. Obviously, it was a very small sample. It hasn't always been an easy road at the major league level for him so far, but Based on what I said before, you know, his pitch usage changes and, and uh, his aggressiveness and confidence on the mound this spring have really given me confidence in him and that he can still be that you know, potential impact arm in the, at the major league level. And So if I had to guess right now uh, for one of those two to be able to do something like that on the stretch this year alone, I would say probably Kyle Wright. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I won't rule anything out for Ian Anderson getting that opportunity to do something, but it really seems like the stars were aligning for Kyle Wright, especially with what the Braves rotation was looking like early on when Cole Hamels was going to be out to at least getting a chance to showcase what he can do and was really making the most of it in spring training. So kind of one of the many stories that you look at, and it's a shame, yeah, that we don't have baseball, but from an individual level, it did seem like Kyle Wright was lined up to maybe do some special things early in the year and really tap into that potential, as you mentioned. He made the big league squad last year. It didn't last very long at the major league level, but I think AAA and maybe clearing some of those hurdles and dealing with some of that adversity might have just made Kyle Wright an even better pitcher than he was this time a year ago. So interesting to see where both those guys fit in, of course, what exactly major league rosters look like when we get back to baseball. Wrapping things up here, David, why don't you tell us a little bit about BravesProspects.com, what you got going on over there, and how folks can get connected with you. Yeah, so I started a newsletter this season to cover the minor league side of the Braves organization, the farm system, and all of its prospects at BravesProspects.com. It's a newsletter that goes to inboxes three days a week on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And uh, also the, every post that goes to those inboxes is also fed into the website at BravesProspects.com as an archive. So you have different uh, levels to be able to sign up for, and it's just a way for me to kind of get all of my work out there, you know, with your prospect lists and rankings and uh, just different things like that. And uh, looking forward to getting some live <laughs> reports in there, hopefully. No but uh, very excited for that for this season and going forward. Well, for sure. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter. Check out BravesProspects.com. Of course, in the last, what, couple of days, we've had a chance to mull over what exactly the draft's going to look like. David has his take on that up as well. So check that out, BravesProspects.com. He is David Lee. He's been covering the Braves minor leagues for quite some time and doing a marvelous job at it. David, I appreciate all the time and look forward to catching up with you again soon. And like you said, I'm kind of hoping we have some live game reports and some stuff to talk about before too long because I am certainly ready for baseball, and I'm sure you are too. Absolutely. I'm right there with you on that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. My thanks again to David Lee for jumping on and joining the show to talk about some of those Atlanta Braves prospects. Be sure you're checking out his work and subscribe to his newsletter. You can find it at BravesProspects.com. Once again, you can find From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. 
Leave those ratings and reviews. They're always appreciated, so keep them coming. And if you like what you heard, be sure to share this podcast with a friend, as that will help out the show immensely. Once again, make sure you're connected on social media, on Twitter, at FromTheDiamond underscore. You can find me at Grant McCauley on Instagram. It's at FromTheDiamond and at Grant McCauley to connect over there. And you can find every episode of the show and so much more at FromTheDiamond.com. Once again, I want to thank David Lee for jumping on the show and talking about some Atlanta Braves prospects. And thank you for making some time in your week to listen to From the Diamond. As always, hope you and yours are staying safe out there. And until next time, I'm Grant McCauley. So long, everyone.